to chat around some things this morning, um, some of the things that have been stirring in my heart. And I woke up on Monday morning, and uh, I've got that scripture in my head in, in Acts. I'm going to read you later. But uh, I've got that scripture in Acts 1, with and it says, and the word of God says, and you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And that was a real challenge because the very next thought in my mind was that if there is, if there is no, if there's no demonstration, is there power? If there's no power, have you truly received the Holy Spirit? And it's a, it's a, it's a thing that really grappled with me. Like, come on, let's think about this. The Word of God says that you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. How many of us are operating in that power? And it's been a real challenge because I think as a lot of times as church, a lot of us can be consumers. You know, we just we just want what God can give us. We, we just want God to answer our prayers and God to change our family and God to turn our lives around and God to change our finance and God to change the church and all those kinds of things. And so often we consume so much, but we give so little back to what God is wanting to do in our lives. Well, Father, can somebody on this side say amen? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. The you guys are normally my favorite. But now I'm going to have to shift this morning. But I, but I want you to grab a hold of what we're saying this morning. Because, you know, the thing is that we get so caught up in our own stuff, in our own issues, in our own arguments, in our own marriages, in our own relationships, that we forget that God is a purpose and God is a plan for each and every one of us. That you have created the word of God before the foundations of the earth were laid. He knew you by name. There's a purpose. There's a calling. There's a destiny. There's a there's a specific purpose that God wants you to fulfill while you are here on earth. This is not just while we're going to be born, live a lack of life, die, and then go to heaven. There's a purpose for you being here. There's a purpose for you being on earth at this point in time in history. There's a purpose why you were born to the parents you were. There's a purpose why you gave birth to the kids you did. You've got to get this into our heads this morning. Because I think somewhere along the line, there's a church, and not just I'm speaking nationwide, all over the world, is that we're becoming to a place where we're becoming just lethargic in the things of God. But not just lethargic in the things of God, is now we start to exalt man and start to run off every wave of doctrine that is out there. And there's some crazy stuff out there at the moment. I, I cringe when I listen to some of the, the things that people are preaching out there. Why? Because they've drawn men unto themselves. So what happens when you draw men unto yourself, what happens is that the Spirit of God no longer operates in your life. Why? Because you're using other men's interpretations of the Word instead of the Holy Spirit. And you've got to understand something that, that Jesus said that He came to give us the Holy Spirit. Now, this, this is the topic that you need to get a hold of in your head this morning. Because for many of us, the Holy Spirit is just, it's just something. It's just when we need. It's like a prayer thing that we pray. For years and years and years, we've been speaking about revival. And every one of us are trusting God that we're going to see some kind of measure of revival in our lifetime. You know, for many of us in my age, we haven't seen a real revival yet. You know, we've heard about the revivals of old. We've heard about the Swaggots and we've heard about, you know, the, 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 the Smith Wigglesworth and we've heard about the Catherine Pullman and we've heard about those guys that are just raising him from the dead and had piles of crutches in front of them. I mean, there was a dynamic move and, and somewhere along the line we all say, oh God, we can just experience that. 
if we can just encounter your holiness, if we just can encounter the Holy Spirit of God, the power that you're speaking about. And I don't know about you, but I want to see revival in my lifetime. I want to see God pour out His Spirit upon the church like never before. I want to see the lost come to Christ, those in Christ growing. I want to see the little chairs empty. You know, I've given 22 years of my life to ministry. And I say, come on, Lord. <laughs> come on. It's time for revival. It's time for you to pour out the fullness of who you are into our lives. But revival is a difficult thing because revival simply means this, to revive. It means to restore back to its original position. So if, 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 if your uncle Arnie had to drown on the beach and they drag him out of the beach, out of the water, lifeless, and I come and I give him compressions and we give him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and he takes a breath, what happens? I've revived him. I've restored him to the position he was before the chaos. And that is what revival is in church today, that God wants to restore the church back to its original position. God wants to restore the church back to the days of Pentecost. God wants to restore the church back to where we're a community and we're a family and where there are signs and wonders and nobody leads and nobody lacks and the church went from strength to strength, from village to village. That is what we desire. But you've got to understand something that any revival that has ever taken place in the world, all right, has always started with people that are hungry and people that are obedient. I gave them a second chance, did you see? I gave them a second chance to amen me this morning, and they didn't. But it comes from purple people that want to be hungry for the things of God. And listen to me, church, I don't want to be horrible to you, but I'm not speaking about hungry for your own needs to be fulfilled. Not hungry because God must heal you. Not hungry because God must change your finances. You've got to get hungry to see God change a nation. You may get hungry to see God change churches, to God change people. You know, we cannot believe, I cannot believe that we pray for 20 years for someone to come to Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? That is not the God that I serve. The God that I serve, He says, when two or three agree on something, the earth is done. That's the God that I serve. The God that I serve that says that when I have the sick, they will be well. Not maybe from time to time, 40% hit the strike rate. It says you will be healed. And so we're not getting this in our minds. Because this church, every church in the city at the moment, is a living, moving organism that needs to see the lost come to Christ. That needs to get those sick people into the church and, and get them healed. But are we moving as an army? Are we moving as a unit? Are we moving as a living body? Or are we simply just coming for what you and I can receive? It's a real challenge. It's a real challenge. You know, in Acts 1, and we always read Acts 1, and you shall receive power. But I just want to back up a little bit. And I'm going to back up to you when Jesus speaks to them, and he says this to them. Verse 4, Acts 1, verse 4. He says that being assembled together with them, he commanded them, listen to this, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Not to depart. He told them, listen to me, I'm going to push this home. He says, don't you dare depart from Jerusalem. 
He says, but to wait to the, for the promise of the Father, which, in brackets in red, he said, you have heard from me. Now, this is a incredible statement. I want to just grab a hold of this because I believe in the last bit that so much of what God is going to do in the end times is going to be in the waiting. The Welch Revival. Hundreds of thousands got saved and healed. The Welch Revival started with five grannies on the ground floor of a flat, praying non-stop for eight months for God to visit their town. Eight months. Eight months they prayed non-stop, day in and day out, for God's presence to fall in their town. And we all know what the Welsh Revival was, but just the most incredible thing that happened. And so often for you and I, we live in an instant society where we want God to do now. We want God to do now. We don't want to come to a place of waiting. We don't want to come to a place of seeking His face. We don't want to come to a time of incredible worship. We don't want to come into His place or into His presence daily. We simply want to come when we need, and that becomes a God indeed is a God. What a God in need is God indeed. And He says, "Don't you dare move." And I wonder how many of us will still be left if God says to us today, "Don't you dare move, Stephen, until the presence of God comes upon you." Now you can understand something. Let me give you my interpretation of it, and and, I, and you can you can change it. But this is where I am. That I believe that every one of you, that when you receive Jesus Christ. As Lord and Savior of your life, you receive the Holy Spirit with that. And so the Holy Spirit is coming. You receive Jesus, you receive the Father, you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in you. But then Jesus speaks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We say that power, that dynamos, power. And, and as we looked through it this morning, I, I looked at that word power, dynamos, and it means power, potential, an ability. I love it the way the, 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 the Amplified Bible says it. And you shall receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I believe with all my heart there's the infilling that takes place when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. But I tell you, there's, there's the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God that just takes you to the next place. And I need to say this to you this morning. If you don't know if you're spiritual, you don't leave this world until you pray for you to be because if you even doubt that you're spiritual, then you're not spiritual. If you say, I don't know, then you're not. Let's make that clear. That if you even doubt, you're not. And so don't leave this place until you do. But Jesus comes and speaks to disciples in, in chapter um, um, Acts 1 verse 8. And I'm going to read further, further from verse 5. He says, From John, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the time of the season of the Father has put in his own ability. Listen to this. But you shall receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to me. We always skip that. Every person that quotes that scripture says, And you shall receive power. You people are witnesses where? To Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's not what my Bible says. That's not what my Bible says. It's great if we want to go to Jerusalem, to Samaria, and to here to the ends of the earth. But listen to what the Word of God simply says in my Bible. It says this here. And you shall receive power to be a witness to me. 
I'm like, does your Bible say the same? A witness to me. Before Jerusalem's marriage began to enter the earth. We missed that. We don't even quote that in the scripture. Why? Because it's a big step that needs to be taken before we see signs, wonders, and miracles happen. You see, often we want signs, wonders, and miracles to happen for our benefit. For our benefit. And sometimes these people come over here and they get healed, but they are more broken than anything else. And we say, oh, well, God, you do this, and they walk out there and they're ten times worse. The Word of God says, you shall receive power to be my witness to me. That's big. That's big. That's big. Jesus is saying, the first person that you need to give an account of and you first me. Sure. I've never read that time. We just want to go to the ends of the earth. We want to go to Jerusalem, Jamaria. We want to do all the great stuff. And Jesus said, before you do all that great stuff, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And when I pour out my spirit upon you, the very, the very effect of that is going to be that you're a witness to me first. You know what a witness is? A witness in a court of law is someone that gives an account of what they've seen. So we Jared Pong go to court and go, um, well, you know, mom told me that Uncle Joey, you know, met Uncle Susie and she saw Natasha doing this. You see, what is that? That is hearsay evidence. So it's not acceptable in court. You see, Jared can only give an account of what he knows. He can only give an account of what he's witnessed. He can only give an account of the facts of what he's seen. That's the only thing he's allowed to give an account of. And when Jesus says, you're going to be my witness, that means that God says, you are going to give an account of what you do with my presence upon your life. I'm not being heavy. But you guys, you guys are wasting the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives. You see, I believe that every one of us, every one of us, have got exactly the same measure of anointing in our lives. The same Spirit that has crossed from the devil's way within you. So that means Heidi hasn't got less of a Spirit than me. Doesn't mean Shantel got less of a Spirit than me. It says the same Spirit. So there is only one Spirit. Alright, and you receive that spirit when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life. There's only one spirit. We've got to get that. We've got to get that into our heads this morning. But you've got to understand something that God is calling you to go deeper into what God wants to do in our lives. And so we all get this equal portion, equal portion of, of His presence. The secret is, is that boldness and commitment and waiting and desperation is the thing that causes that thing to grow in your life. So, so, so if I want to lose weight, desperately. <laughs> so I start going to gym. And so what do I do? I start exercising. I start picking up weights, I start running on the treadmill, I start, you know, all these crazy things, and star jumps and whatever. 
Why? Because I want to get, but the more I exercise, the fitter I become. The fitter I become, the longer I last. The longer I last, the more fat I'm burning off. The more fat I'm burning off, the better I'm feeling, the better I'm looking. My health is changing. You see, this is the Holy Spirit in us. It's not every one of us, yeah, I'll give you a gym contract. The thing is, either you're going to use the gym contract or not. Now, I know about guys from medical aid, they just go to the gym, they swipe it, and then they walk around and they walk straight out again. Luckily, we haven't got any of those people in this church. But, but, that is exactly what we're doing with the Holy Spirit. Is that we've got this contract with God, where God promises that we will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, young men will give you, old men will see visions. He promises that we pour out His Spirit on us, signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those who believe. That's what He says. But then we sit with our junk pot in our pocket, and we come on Sundays, and all we do is we, we walk through the thing, and go back out again, and nothing has changed. You have to pick up more weight just coming to church. But that is the Holy Spirit in your life. If you are not going to exercise the power of God, it will never work through you. Listen to what I'm saying. You need to start operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that will stop you from operating in the power of the Holy Spirit is your lack of faith in God. Listen to me. Your lack of faith in God's ability to do that He says He can do what He promised He would do. That if God says you will add the sick and they will be well, if you believe that 100% and you can add the sick and you can they're going to be well. But if you doubt and say, oh God, oh, I don't know. Come on, good, get out and pray for the guy in the wheelchair. Ah, maybe next week. What happens? Doubt. Doubt set in. And we cannot serve our God faithfully when we allow doubt to come in. When we start to doubt our salvation, when we start to doubt the anointing of God upon our lives, when we start to doubt the things that God is doing in and through us. And we want to see it in Bible church. But the Word of God says some of the things with the prophets, He said this is not going to be a might or power. It's not going to be our ability to our strength, but it's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit can only work through you. You see, we're not going to use that gym contract. We're just going to be normal people that walk in and out of a gym every single day. You see, the crazy thing about it is the biblical meaning of the word power. And listen to this, the word power is used exactly 120 times in the New Testament. 120 times in the New Testament. How many people came out of the upper room? 120. And he says this, and he says that word power throughout the Bible, not, not in the Acts one, it means this, peace of mind, morally qualified, and the power of our faith. That's what power means. Peace of mind, morally qualified, all right, and for power of our faith. There's a incredible story that, not a story, but in the Bible, where Jesus comes walking. And as he's walking, he's walking towards John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is busy baptizing people. Now, now, you can't tell me that, that, that Jesus wasn't, didn't have the Holy Spirit in him because he's God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
and he walks up to John the Baptist and he says, well, I need you to baptize me. John says, listen here, you're like, I shouldn't be baptizing you right now. You should be baptizing me. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says a simple thing. He says, this is where it's got to be. And we know that John the Baptist comes and he baptizes Jesus. And the word of God says that as he comes out of the water, the heavens open and the presence of God comes upon him. And as the presence of God comes upon him like a dove, they hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, even Jesus came to that place where he had that supernatural anointing come over his life. And we know what happens from there. From there, he gets tested straight into the desert. And he gets tested for 40 days and for 40 nights. And straight after that, he comes out of the desert. And what happens in his ministry? Signs, wonders, and miracles start to follow Jesus' ministry. Something got unlocked there, right there in the water. Something got unlocked in his life. That as God poured out the full anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him, what happens? Signs, wonders, and miracles started to take place. You see, we think we can just do this Christian thing. We can just mosey around and, and just do a couple of things and, and pray for one or two people there. But I want to say this to you. God is calling you to pray. God is calling you to pray with power. There's a big difference that when I pray for someone and I know the presence of God is upon me, there's a difference when I know when I pray for someone that is so much boldness and the anointing of God and I know that I have not got the ability to heal this person in front of me. Nothing inside of me can heal them but God. And when we get ourselves out of the way, God can do what God needs to do. But God needs a vessel to come through. And the vessel is you. The vessel is you. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon you. The Word of God says that Peter came out from the upper room. I love that scripture. Uh, Where is it in? Let me just read it to you. Acts 4. And I just want to touch on it quickly for you guys. Acts 4 verse 8. Uh, listen to this. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If this day, if this day are judged for good deeds, done to the helpless man. But what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man stands here before you whole. And so the word of God says that there comes a time when Peter is already received the Holy Spirit. But then the word of God says, and Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit, and when I read that scripture, I said, God, when lost have I been filled with the Holy Spirit? When lost have I been filled with the Holy Spirit till overflowing? When lost, Father, have I been so desperate, so desperate to feel your presence upon my life that I stand up above and say, Thus saith the Lord, and it happens. When lost, if you come to that place, church, when lost, if you come to that place, you are full with the Spirit of God and things start to happen around you. You cannot tell me that there's not one person in this room or there's one person in this room that doesn't want to see someone here in prayer. There's not one person in this room that can tell me that when somebody climbs out of a wheelchair, it's going to change your life forever. That when you pray for cancer and the next day they come back and say it's gone. Come on. 
You're not going to desire that. You're not going to desire that more than anything. Not just that, but God says that He shall receive power the Spirit comes upon me. You be my witness to me and Jerusalem, Judea, and Mary, the ends of the earth. And we've got to understand something, that our first calling and the biggest miracle of all is when somebody that is lost comes to the knowledge of Jesus. Thank you, dear you see, we want, we want to change after the signs, wonders and miracles, but we don't understand that the greatest miracle in the world is when someone turns their life around and commits to Jesus. You, don't want, you want to speak about healing? That is what healing is. It's when our souls are restored to the King. And when our souls are restored to the King and we start to think like Jesus and we start to act like Jesus and we start to speak like Him and we start to walk like Him. Why? Because that's how much time we spend with Him. I've said so many times before, many of you don't have to tell your son how to argue or how to fight or how to walk like you. I promise you, give him, give him two years and he's walking like you. He'll argue like you. He'll be as stubborn as you. Why? Not because you told him to. Why? Because he spent so much time with you that he scored the good qualities in and the bad. And when we spend so much time with Jesus, we're going to catch those good qualities. And when we catch those good qualities, we're going to have a heart for the lost. We're going to have a heart for the broken. We're going to have a heart for those in need. We're going to have a heart for those that are sick. When last have you, when last have you prayed for someone for healing? When last have you led someone in the sinner's prayer? When last have you trusted God for a miracle? You see, we want, but we don't want to stand in the gap for someone else. We want for ourselves. The church of God has become a selfish place. The church of God has become a place where God needs to meet my needs and my wants and my desires. And He needs to answer my prayers. And He needs to fix my family. And He needs to change my finances. There was a man that died on the cross for you. Even before you were born, he died for you. And the goal was this, that you died on a wooden cross. Why? Because you removed sin from your life, which allowed you and the Father to communicate effectively once again, and you would come out of the presence of God, full of the Holy Spirit as in the upper room, and signs, wonders, and words of salvation will take place. That is how it works. That is what Jesus did for us. And if you and I don't understand that this morning, church, what are we doing? What are we doing? How many times do we want to give up on our faith? How many times did God not answer your prayers? How many times did you think, is this real thing? Is this the real thing? People have hurt you. People have deserted you. You've run churches. You had to close churches down. You doubted your faith. You doubted your calling of God upon your life. You doubted the anointing of God upon your life. You step back. The problem is that when we step back, we step into territory, the enemy's territory, not God's. 
God never called us to step back. God never called you to quit. Yes, people have hurt you, and people will always hurt you because we're infallible beings. And the church will always hurt you because it's not even just a real body. It's just a group of people that love Jesus. They come together and mess up sometimes. And yes, your wife is going to hurt you, and your spouse is going to hurt you. And your kid's going to go off the wrong end. And you've been praying for years for things to turn around, and there's no answer. And there's no answer because you step back and not step forward. Fear has got the better of you. Your lack of faith has got the better of you. You're listening to man, not to the voice of God right now. You're listening to the World Health Organization about the COVID, and yet Jesus is the very creator of the universe. We want to go to counselors for our marriage, and yet the Word of God says it's a three-twined rope. That if he's part of your marriage, things, won't, well, things will be good. We will run to the bank for overdrafts, but we haven't tithed. And we want to wonder why our finances are falling to pieces. When God speaks to us about praying for someone, we tend to walk past the other way. Because I don't want to embarrass myself, Jesus, or is that really you? And people often say to me, oh, I don't know if it was God or not. Let me tell you something very clearly. Jesus says in the word, my sheep know my voice. If you don't know who's speaking to you, you've got to check what's can to me. But you could be in the name of God right now. Where's that boldness? Where's that courage that Jesus spoke about the church? 